We are downtown. We are historic. We are family. We are scriptural. We are First Baptist Church. Please turn with me to the listening sheet. We're going to read aloud a portion of our reverse text. Uh, reverse kept us at the end of Judges chapter 7 and moved us into Judges chapter 8 this week. And we're going to read the beginning of Judges 8. Now, I do want to warn you, there's some names in here. And when we come to Old Testament names, sometimes it's hard to know how to pronounce those. Let me just say, pronounce it however you wish and just pronounce it confidently however you speak it there. Because there's going to be a few in here you may question. So just, just go with it uh, as you speak those. So uh, let's stand and we're going to read this aloud together. <clears throat> this then is the text for today. Then the men of Ephraim said to him, What is this thing you have done to us, not calling us when you went to fight against Midian? And they contended with him vigorously. But he said to them, what have I done now in comparison with you? Is not the gleaning of the grapes of Ephraim better than the vintage of Avizer? God has given the leaders of Midian, Oreb, and Zeb into your hands. And what was I able to do in comparison with you? Then their anger towards him subsided when he said that. Then Gideon and the 300 men who were with him came to the Jordan and crossed over, weary yet pursuing. May God bless the reading of his word. Now there's a little bit of confusion here in this week's reverse text that makes it difficult to completely assess. And maybe we can deal with some of those uh, complicated things, the things that we might question. Um, but let's first look back. Uh, the last couple of weeks we have studied, studied Gideon as he both prepared for battle with Midian and how he walked into that battle with Midian. We've seen how the Lord prepared Gideon for, for both of those things. Now as Gideon follows through, there's some of it that looks a little muddy. And maybe we can deal with those muddy waters today. But when we look back at the things we know already, we know God has minimized Gideon's fighting force. Gideon had first come to, to take Midian with some 32,000 troops, and God said 32,000 is too many. In fact, if you defeat Midian with this many troops, people are going to think that you did this. People are going to begin to think that the army is great when indeed it is only God who is great. And so God told him, he said, we, are, we want to know that God is the one who receive all the glory for this. This is from heaven. This is not from earth. And so in that way, you need to cut your army down. And he cuts him down to 300 men. He said, with 300 men, it will be so God will receive the glory. We also know that God gave clear instructions uh, to take the Midianite camp. God showed Gideon and told him, this is how you will take the camp and you will go and take the camp. You're going to take with you uh, trumpets with your 300 men. All of them will carry trumpets and all of them will carry these, these pitchers or the, these vase-like things with a torch inside of it. And, and those things will be how you take the camp at Midian. And what we see is they were faithful. They were obedient and they did just that. And in the night, these 300 soldiers came to the Midianite camp. And as they did, uh, Midianites went into full retreat, not knowing which way was up in, in the battle. And in all of their confusion, the enemy began to fight one another. Their soldiers attacked one another, and some died and others ran. 
And from here, you start to see a little mud. Because it's unclear exactly from the text what the marching orders are. And let me tell you this, whenever it's unclear what your orders are, it is always critical for you to wait upon the Lord. And what's critical is for you to call upon the Lord to see, what are, are my orders? What is next, Father? And if it is unclear, you need to wait. And we don't know if Gideon did that or not. The Scripture doesn't tell us if he does or if he doesn't. But when it comes to a time when the waters are muddy, you seek the Lord first. Now, what we know, Gideon's next actions are to call upon the rest of the country before God had said not to call them, but here Gideon does, and he calls upon the rest of the country to come and aid them to, to chase down the fleeing Midianite army. Now, we don't know if this is God's intention. The Scripture doesn't tell us. Last we heard, Scripture said only use 300. And we don't know if Gideon asked or not. But here we see the 300 going to take the camp of Midian. It, and then the army runs, and they chase them off to a foreign land. See, God has delivered them in the way that he said. He's giving them, given them exactly what he said he would give them in that Midianite camp. And at that point, it's important to wait and call upon the Lord. You know, it's important for us to recognize that, that we cry out to God even in the heat of battle. You know, because when we're in the adrenaline of the fight or, or following through on, on things God has called us to do, it, it's our tendency in our flesh to assume that we can just continue on our own. When we, when we see uh, one step and we take one step in confidence, soon our, our flesh starts to think we can do this. And commonly we see in the joy of victory, we, we, we believe that we're the ones who carried out the mission, that we're the ones that made it so, when in fact it was the grace of God. And so make no mistake, when these 300 take the Midianite camp, it is by God and by God alone that they find victory. And the same thing is true in our lives. When we find any victory, it is by the hand and grace of God. You know, it's important when we come to those moments not to just rush off and find our next thing. To, because sometimes we give ourselves permission to do just that. I'm not sure if this is what Gideon's doing or not, but it's certainly what we often find ourselves doing, rushing off, taking permission to say, I will, I will talk to God another day. I will seek God's wisdom later. And there are times we've looked up to God and we tell him, we're too busy doing your business to have a conversation right now. But let me assure you this morning, there's nothing too important that we can't stop and have a conversation with God. There's, there's nothing that we're pursuing in this life that we can't put on hold and say, wait on the Lord to see what the Lord has in store for us. See, we, we are to cry out to the Lord always through it all. We cry out to the Lord along the journey. We cry out to the Lord when we're in rest. We cry out every step, not just the initial one. Because I, I see it among believers where we grasp the concept of an initial conversation with God. We know when we come to a wall or we come to a major decision or we come to a moment we don't understand that we must seek the will of the Lord. We have conversations. But, but rarely do we as believers understand the value of continuing conversation with God even through the heat of the battle, even when we're walking in the right direction. You see, we, we have these conversations with the Lord throughout. It's, it's a part of who we are. Some of us like to receive our orders and then get about our own business. It's, it's kind of like this, where we see 
In the New Testament, we know as we've come to, to the Gospel of Matthew, we see there's some specific things that the Lord has told us to do, and, and we try to be faithful to do those things, like to be a repentant people, to be a witnessing people, to be a discipling people, and we hear the Lord call us into obedience in those ways. And there are some who, who like to say, we hear you, Lord, and we will do those things, but we're going to do them in our own time, and we're going to do them in our own way. Let me remind you this morning, we do not have permission to do our orders, to take these commands in our own time or in our own way. In fact, when the Lord gives us commands, it is in His time and in His way. If we deviate in, to any degree, if we deviate in timing, if we deviate in process, it is sinful unto the Lord. Some of us like to say, I'm going to be obedient to the Lord in my own way, and it's not possible. You're not capable of such a thing as that. You see, our calling is God's business. Our calling isn't our interpretation of God's business. It is God's business. You know, sometimes we like to think that um, marching orders are, are the way because those orders are easier than continual communication throughout. It's easier to take a moment at the beginning and say, okay, I'll run with it. God doesn't say, I, I, I give you the baton and you run with it. God says, I'm with you, and I'm fighting with you, and I'm fighting for you, and I'm fighting through you. And, and that maintaining communication throughout is about relationship. See, this is how we, we deepen that relationship with the Lord. We don't take a baton and run ahead of Him, but in fact, we walk with Him, and we're in continual conversation with Him, and, and we deepen our relationship with Him daily. It's working with God all along the way. We can't just get a mission from God and carry it out how we see fit. God doesn't allow that. He gives us the responsibilities, and He carries it out through us. You know, it's interesting. You, you, you see something similar from a different angle as chapter 8 begins. In chapter 8, verse 1, we hear from the Ephraimites. In fact, it, I'll read it again if you'll look there with me. Then the man of Ephraim they, they said to Gideon, what is this thing you have done to us, not calling us when you went to fight against Midian? And they contended with him vigorously. You see, what they don't understand is that from God's original instructions in this battle, at this point in time, Ephraim was to be on the sidelines. Ephraim is rarely on the sidelines in battle. They're, they're the ones who often carry the torch of battle. And here God said, wait to Ephraim. And so when they come across Gideon, their reaction is to accuse and argue. How could we be the ones who are left on the sidelines? We're the warriors. You see, as the way the text is worded here, they come at Gideon with the full force of their verbal wrath. They just assume, they, they assume as Gideon has gone to take on Midian, that, that Gideon has left them out. They, they assume that Gideon has forgotten about them, or, or Gideon wanted to steal their thunder, thunder or any number of things. Any number of poor reasons, they just assume the worst of Gideon, that he didn't know what he was doing because if he would have known what he was doing, he would have called on them because they're considered better warriors than Gideon's men. You see, in their, in their own hearts and in their own estimation, if anyone should have attacked Midian, it was, it was them. And Gideon didn't consult them before he went into battle. And if Gideon doesn't consult them, it's insulting to their pride. But remember, as we come to the word of the Lord this morning, it was Gideon's responsibility to consult the Lord. As this battle is unfolding, his, his general, the, the one who stands above him, his king, is the Lord God above. And he only takes orders from the king. He doesn't take orders from Ephraim. And so he, that's who he goes to, and that's who he consults. 
God himself. It doesn't matter that Gideon doesn't consult Ephraim, but it absolutely matters that he consults the Lord our God and stays in continuing conversation with him. You see, as believers in Jesus Christ, this is what we recognize. Our orders come from God himself and nobody else. We hold everything and our actions and our lives and the things we do, we hold it against God's character as revealed in his word, in the person of Jesus Christ, and in his Holy Spirit, in his Holy Spirit. The Ephraimites shouldn't be worried about Gideon's success. It seems like here they're saying, we want some of the success that's happening in this battle. They shouldn't be worried about those kinds of things. They, they should be crying out to the Lord, asking themselves, how can they get in on God's work for his kingdom? They should be seeking the Lord, saying, God, what is next? How can we be a part of what you're doing? We want to seek that way forward. You know, I hope that's who we are, not caught up in, in what others are doing or not caught up in others' successes, but looking and saying, Lord, how can we move with you in your kingdom? How can we walk in step with your spirit and see victory in the Lord because we know victory is the Lord's? And instead, Ephraim, they began to accuse and antagonize Gideon instead of seeking the Lord God above. You see, we need to follow the Lord and his work for his kingdom rather than blaming others or rather than blaming Gideon for stealing the show. We seek the Lord for the wisdom of our orders. Let's turn our attention now to verse 4. Because, you know, some of that is some of the confusion. Before God has said the 300 men, and now uh, Gideon is calling on, on all the other uh, uh, people of Israel saying, come and help. But then we get back to verse 4, and Gideon's back with the 300. We know that's who God had, had originally called. And so, and, and now we, we have them chasing the army across the country. And, and in the rush, the adrenaline starts to wear off. And as they're, they're, they're marching, they're exhausted. You know, at this point, they've probably marched about 50 miles or so together. And as they have gone into battle through the night, they've marched 50 miles. They've come to the end of their own strength. They just can't go anymore. You know, one of the things that we recognize is, is often this is a good place to be. Because as believers, when, when we come to the end of our own strength, that, that's, that's one of the few times we begin to recognize that it is God alone who is our strength. That's when we begin to look up and recognize that, that we're not capable of the fight. We're not capable of the things God has called us to do. It's only in the power of his Holy Spirit that we find victory. And so sometimes we need to be exhausted. But I do want to give you a, a bit of a warning here. And I hope they heeded the warning signs here. Because when you're exhausted, it is difficult. And what we learn in the verses that follow is not only they're exhausted, but they're hungry. They hadn't, haven't eaten either. And, and when you are exhausted and when you are hungry, you're far more likely to fall into temptation. You know, this is why uh, uh, Satan approaches Jesus at the end of his fast in Matthew chapter 4. Uh, Matthew uh, chapter 4 verse 2 says Jesus was hungry. And the next line in the next verse says and Satan shows up. He showed up in Jesus' hunger because he knew that was the perfect place to tempt him. And so these soldiers have to be careful here. When you're exhausted and you're hungry, unholiness quickly takes root. You know, and, and the flesh likes to use exhaustion. The flesh likes to use hunger as an excuse 
And often we'll use that as an excuse to just let go. Or often we'll use exhaustion or hunger um, as an excuse to behave in ways we would never behave otherwise. But just because you're tired or just because you haven't eaten doesn't mean that God excuses your behavior. Right? We can't use those kinds of physical circumstances to ignore the call that God has placed on our lives. You see, if God has called you, and if God has called you out, and God has called you forward, it, it doesn't matter what's going on around you. It, it doesn't matter what the physical circumstances you find yourself in are. We can't use those, those physical circumstances to negate the Word of God. And too often, the evil imagination of our hearts tr tries to imagine up different scenarios where we might be better equipped to obey Jesus if something else happens. I mean, it's kind of like this, where we like to think, if, if I'm in a different phase of life, then I'll obey Jesus. It's, it's almost like this, where if we're in high school, we say, okay, when I get to college, then I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. Or we get to college and we say, when I get my first job, then, then I'm going I'm to follow Jesus Christ wherever he leads me to go. Or then, then we come to, when I get my second job, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. Or when, when my kids get out of the house, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow Jesus Christ. Or when I retire, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. The physical circumstances don't matter, but we convince ourselves that there's, a, there's other physical realities and other times that will lead us to obedience, and it's just not true. If we're not being obedient to Jesus Christ today, we're not going to be obedient to Jesus Christ if the physical circumstances around us change. You see, the, 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 the obedience to Jesus Christ isn't about physical circumstance or who's in our lives or who's not in our life. It's about the spiritual reality. It's about the, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Where we find hope and where we find obedience is by the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and the Holy Spirit is moving and working today, no matter matter what your physical circumstances are. It doesn't matter if you're exhausted. It doesn't matter if you're hungry. It doesn't matter where you find yourself. The Spirit is at work, and that's who we chase after, and that's where we find our strength and our hope for next steps and a new day. You see, it's critical for us today to surrender to Jesus Christ. Don't wait until you have the time, right? If God is calling you to a moment of obedience, there's not another time, another day where it's going to make more sense than right now because we're not promised tomorrow. And if God has called us to obedience, he's called us to immediate obedience. So don't wait until you have the time. Don't wait until you have the strength. If the Holy Spirit is speaking into your heart, surrender, listen, and follow. That is the only way out of the exhaustion of this world, because let me tell you, the world will wear you out, but the Lord will pull you through. You will find the strength that you need in the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's interesting that, that some of this text is a little muddy here because there's, there's a contrast that we see. See, as we work down through this text, we see the 300, Gideon crossing over the Jordan River. And it's a beautiful thing. If you look through the text, the, the Jordan River shows up time and time again, and it's a great marker of the things happening through Scripture. If you think back with me to, to Joshua chapter 3, you see Joshua crossing the Jordan River, and it is, it is certain. In fact, they have heard the call from the Lord, and, and Israel is in step with Joshua, and Israel is in step with the Lord. The ark is going before them, and the power of the Lord is with them. And, and what you see is when the priests of the living God set foot in the Jordan River, it begins to part. And all of Israel walked into the promised land with the grace and power of a holy people conquering a promised land. 
It's interesting, here we find Gideon running back the other way on the muddy banks of the Jordan, exhausted, hungry troops in tow, unable to find a friend to feed them. And Joshua, with full obedience to the Lord, left us with a moment to memorialize. But here with Gideon, we're left with difficult questions about what's going on in these moments. What was the Lord telling him? Where was the Lord leading him? So let me remind you in these moments of difficulty, in moments of exhaustion and hunger, to come to the Lord and inquire of him. You know, what, what makes this scene uh, more difficult to, to swallow is that we're left wondering where the Lord is and where the Lord is leading him. And, you know, that's the example we need to follow. What we see Gideon earlier in his life and in his, in his, what we see earlier in, in, like in Judges chapter 6, Gideon is just continually asking of the Lord again, what is next and what is your plan and verify your plan and let me see it and let me know. And that's the example we need to follow. Maybe Gideon is following through exactly like this in these moments because that's, that's who we need to be and that's what we need to do to stop and pray often, to cry out to Jesus Christ for help. You will never go wrong stopping to ask the Lord for wisdom. You know, because sometimes we charge out on our own ahead of the Lord. It, it's like Peter telling Jesus he doesn't have to worry about suffering and dying. You know, there are days we do that very thing. But let me encourage you this morning, don't go out on your own. Wait for the Lord and seek his face. You see, if you, if you will trust the Lord and walk with him, you will know the grace and power of the Holy Spirit. But if you charge ahead, you'll be left exhausted and hungry. Which way are we going to go? We're going to follow the Lord. We're going to seek his face. Are we going to ask him for wisdom today? Because he's the only one that knows the truth. And our Lord is the only one that knows the way forward. Let's pray together. Lord, we're grateful that we get to be together today. Lord, that we get to worship all across the city. And Lord, we pray that as we hold your word up as truth, Lord, that you would speak into our hearts that you would give us the wisdom that we need to move forward. Those next steps. Lord, many of us are, are discerning next steps. Lord, many of us are trying to discern how you're moving and where you're working because we want to work with you. And so, Lord, we pray that you would make that evident. Lord, that we would see victory by the hand of your Spirit. Lord, all around us. And, Lord, we pray that, that we can be a part of those. And so, Lord, would you, you break into our hardened hearts and help us to see uh, the kinds of things you're about, Lord, who you are, that we might completely surrender to you this day to be your people in a darkened world, Lord, that we might bring light, the treasure of the gospel with us, to share salvation with a, a world in need. And so, Lord, we pray your Holy Spirit come and show us the way forward. It's in the name of our Lord and risen Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. First Baptist Church has been broadcasting its services of new life and historic faith for 46 years. We would like to ask that you continue to pray with us for this ministry and also for your financial support so that we can continue this ministry for years to come. Thank you.